I'm back from the holiday to talk about the Charlotte Hornets game last night against Golden State. Unfortunately, a loss, but also fortunately, that means an end to the West Coast road trip. We'll discuss what it all means today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. And that includes YouTube, by the way. I'm Walker Mail. You can catch me on WFNZ from 12 to 3. I'm back in that co-host chair as well. And that is Doug Branson on your screen if you're watching YouTube. Find his Substack every Hornets box score on everyhornetsboxscore.com. Appreciate Doug holding it down for the last couple of shows with David Walker, who joined, also Nada Edwards. It was a great catch-up because I had to watch the game later. So in order to prep, I had to take the takes of one Doug Branson and Nada <laughs> yesterday, getting ready for the pregame show $5. I did last night for WFNZ. Yes, I am going to subscribe to the Substack, and I'm going to pay, and you should yeah. too. Um, a great job holding it down. What does it mean to you that this West Coast road trip is about to end here, Doug? Or it did end last night. Uh, well, it means they went two and four. Uh, even if they had gotten this win, five hundred, that's not going to do it. I mean, now now they sit, you know, seventeen games under five hundred. Um, they, you know, I was looking at this Walker. It's interesting this road trip. They play. I think five of the six teams that they played rank in the top fifteen of pace. So not only did they go on a six-game road trip, but they played, you know, some of the fastest teams in the NBA. And over the past six games, the Hornets have been the fastest. They've played the fastest. So Lamelo plus say, playing yeah. a bunch of teams that play high pace. Uh, but it didn't mean more offense. Uh, this was a, a pretty miserable offensive performance over this road trip. Defensively, they got a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just glad this road trip is over. I can sleep. I can sleep at a decent hour. I know a lot of fans are like, oh my God, I can't, I can't do this uh, for much longer. But luckily, they don't have to go back out west again. It's all normal-ish start times from here on out. It is weird to host a pregame at nine o'clock because that's the time you're starting to settle in for the postgame show. And then you're able to update everybody on the fourth quarter of all these other NBA games. But it is coming to an end after last night. Hornets lose 105. 110 is what Golden State was able to score. Stefan not playing. Good old Stefan Curry. Steph not out. playing in this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Steph was out. Very good. Um, oh yeah. Got you. <laughs> Doug is back. Doug is, Doug is back in the, in the jester chair. Yes. That is, that's oh, the, Doug I love being on the love. right side. Oh, I know you do. It is such, it is such a different identity. You know, it's the same. It doesn't matter. It is. Like if I'm doing that for FNZ, if I'm doing that for lockdown Hornets, it's a completely different chair. Um, but let's talk about LaMelo real quickly. You know, 21, 10 and four is his line. Seven and twenty uh, seven of twenty-five shooting, two of eleven from three. I mean, missing shot after shot after shot late in this game. The shot selection was pretty damn wild, Doug. I mean, we had some one-footed runners going to his left. There was the one after he did that where he fouled after I think it was Moses Moody who corralled the rebound. I forget who it was, but then he just went up and picked up a frustration foul. Love the mm -hmm. effort. Hate the foul, hate the execution afterwards. So I, I actually thought this was probably his worst game since coming back the second time. There was just a lot of missed shots. Even I, I thought it was going to be bad. God, I forget what time it happened in the game. 
But LaMelo attempts a no-look pass and just passes it right to a Golden State player. You know, a Warrior makes a break on it. And then LaMelo, I think, gets it back because he wasn't able to corral in that turnover. But he just deflects it and LaMelo gets it back. Just nothing was really working for him last night in an efficient way. No, and you know, he we we have to mention that he did injure I'm not doing this as an excuse necessarily, but he did uh injure his shoulder. He was listed as probable before this mm-hmm. game started uh with a uh, shoulder strain. He injured it going after a loose ball in the previous game against Portland and you could see like his shoulder it looked bruised, but I think it was like that cupping stuff that they do, you know, where they like suction cup the I don't know if it works or not. Where but, it's all know. over their body. That that yeah, just yeah, became yeah. normal at some point where you just yeah. see circles all across. Well, it went for, you know, it used to be the black tape and I, I'm sure players still use yep. the black, but it's all this like weird stuff that we don't know if it really works or not, but players get, you know, somebody sells it to one player and then it's like, all right, yeah, everybody's doing it. It's but this yeah, generation's so hyperbaric chamber because all the players were sleeping in it once upon a time and now right. we've moved on a couple of different right, things. Right, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, the shoulder looked pretty gnarly, but I, I don't I don't think that that's really an excuse for the shot selection and the frustration fouls and the foul trouble that he continues to put himself in. And finally, we got Clifford after the game saying something about it. He's been he's been old dodgy Clifford, like not trying to say too much, too much negative stuff about his, you know, star player. Uh, but finally, uh, and credit to Ashley Shahamadi for pressing him. Like This is like a third time she's asked about fouling and Clifford's dodged it. Finally asked him about it again, and he said, you know, love what he does with his hands in terms of stealing the basketball, but got to have him on the floor. And he was missing in action. And I, and I think because he was missing and because he was seeing other players miss shots, like, you know, Terry started to miss in the second half. Gordon missed a couple of open shots. P.J. was missing open shots. No Kelly Oubre in this game, so you lose that offensive punch because he goes out with a hand sprain, and that was a real late scratch. I think all of that sort of converged, and LaMelo went into sort of pressing the issue LaMelo. And pressing the issue LaMelo is sort of the worst LaMelo that you can have. And um, he wasn't very efficient because, look, Walker, there, here's, a, here's a plain fact for you. The, some of the shots that, that he was taking looked like bad shots, but there are elite players in this league that take those exact same shots and make them. Uh, we saw one last night do it. I mean, Luca was hitting those kind of shots all over the place. Scored sixty points. That crazy uh, putback off the miss uh, off the miss free throw. Like th- there are players that do that. He he isn't necessarily one of those right now. He could develop into that, but right now when he presses, it doesn't necessarily mean great things for the Hornets' offense. Yeah, and but I. You're right, Doug. And ultimately, the spirit of that comment, I I imagine, is that really, really good players hit tough shots. Doug, I mean, some of those shots, though, were actually (laughs) they were insane. (laughs) I mean, but, you know, and and you're right, though, it is it is him, you know, trying to push his team. It's trying it's him trying to will his team to victory hop on my back. And some of those three pointers, they were long. They were fading away. It was the classic, you know, you can't slide a piece of paper between LaMelo and the court because he doesn't really jump. It is as set a shot as set shots are concerned. But it's also weird when you don't get any air and then you're just kind of drifting to the left. I don't know. I mean, it was it was tough at the end. And I know LaMelo was trying to make something happen. It just it just wasn't happening at the very end for this team offensively. And you're right. Offensively, this is a team that, you know, if LaMelo is not going and, you know, look, you had four assists, right? Four assists outside of the three assists night that he had against the Hawks. Four is the second least that he's put up there. 
Um, no steals, only the third game that he's not recorded a steal. It is one, two, three, four. It's the fourth game since his return where he's had five fouls or he fouled out. I mean, he's fouled out three times. That mm-hmm. that that's a lot, Doug. Yeah. I mean, he's he probably has the worst fouling problem in the league when it comes to perimeter players, right? This is me not having done any research with the well, other well, stars. I mean, last but, I think I said this stat last season of the like major rotation guards. I think he was oh, I can't remember who he was second to. I think he was second in the league in terms of guards foul rate. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this has been a problem going so, back a couple of seasons now. So, yeah, I mean, okay, so you're even saying get ready. Yeah, among all the players, LaMelo is right there. It, I mean, think about how many times you see a player foul out three times in, I mean, how many games has he played now? Eight since his return? Mm-hmm. I, that's, and, and one other one, five. It's, it, it's absolutely the miss a shot, crash the boards, which LaMelo's, it's fun to see LaMelo have that fundamental elementary skill that the dad of your teammate teaches when you're eight years old to follow your shot. LaMelo has that. Uh, I mean, he's done that quite a bit before in his, in his career, but this time he just goes after rebound after already it's secured. So yeah, that's the fouling needs to stop. I at least needs to get better. And uh, other than that, you know, just a bad game from LaMelo, right? He, he did not play like that. Um, the entire West Coast road trip. It started to tail off a little bit at the end. This was by far the worst one, though. So hopefully he can bounce back, have all the confidence in the world that he can bounce back. He didn't have a great performance. One other player starting to get real minutes. You talked about Mark Williams yesterday with Nada. Mm -hmm. I want to continue that trend. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Mark Williams, once again, the first round pick for Charlotte this past NBA draft. He gets serious run, gets 18 minutes. I'll tell you about his stat line afterwards in detail as well. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. So Prize Picks is an awesome fantasy app. It's a fantasy website. So something very cool that you can get involved in. And the way it works is you pick two to six players. And if they go score more or less than the Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That includes the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, so your major ones, NHL, college, men's and women's basketball, soccer, esports, if you're into the esports game, NASCAR, tennis, even go so far as to have disc golf, Euro basketball, and cricket involved. So many more as well. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You have safe and fast withdrawals, and they're currently operational in over 30 states and even Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com. Sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. So if you deposit $100, PrizePix gives you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix gives you $50. You get the idea by now. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. More Locked On Hornets coming up next. This is Locked On Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. I think you're on mute there, Walker. <laughs> a little rookie mistake coming back. 
we just criti- swing of things. Know, we just critiqued, uh, you know, we just spent a segment critiquing LaMelo, and you're going to come out well, and look, that kind of Well, look, now. YouTube, I mean, I was letting the music play, and I was practicing, and then I was going to press unmute, and then I was going to go into the read. But you ruined everything, Doug. Thanks a lot. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen. Make your next listen. Locked On Sports today, from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. So, Doug, I got to watch Mark Williams, as did every Hornets fan last night. Played 18 minutes in the game against Golden State. Had a pretty solid line. Three of five from the field. Six points for Mark Williams. Finished with a couple of blocks. He did not finish with a block, I believe, against Portland. Did have a turnover, had one foul, so was not in foul trouble like he also was against Portland. Couple rebounds. You'd like to see that go up, both of the defensive variety and uh, one assist, too. It's not why you drafted Mark Williams to get all the points, all the steals, all the assists. You drafted him to get rebounds for sure. You drafted him to get those two blocks that he had in 18 minutes, and you really drafted him to have an effect defensively like he did last night. Doug, mm-hmm. watching him play, he brings something that I haven't seen from Mason Plumley, from Nick Richards, from Kai Jones, from Cody Zeller to anybody, right? I mean, mm-hmm. not even Bismack Biombo, who had somewhat of a resurrection here when he would play, but overall it didn't go great. Mark Williams affects the game because the dude is just a monster, okay? Like nine foot nine standing reach, athletic runs the floor he's not awkward rolling from side to side and you could see guards have mark williams in their consciousness when they would drive into the paint and mm-hmm. you saw it affect a ty jerome layup you saw it affect you know a couple of other layups that i can remember where they knew okay that guy is a monster when that guy reaches his hand out it goes almost above the rim and it affected shots i i just it, it helps this basketball team when you have somebody affecting the game like that, and it makes the job easier for the defense. It makes the job easier for Steve Clifford. That's why you got to think he's going to continue on this trend to get more minutes. It went from 16 to 18 this time last night against Golden State. Yeah, these lineups with Mark Williams and Gordon Hayward or Mark Williams and Rozier, they're just playing better uh, than the typical bench lineup that the Hornets bench plus a starter lineup that the Hornets have been throwing out. And it did change this game. You know, they really, I think they lost this game in the first quarter, but it wasn't when Mark Williams checked in. It was really the starters not shooting the basketball well and not playing well in that first quarter and allowing Clay Thompson to get three three pointers. He had four in the quarter, but three with the starting unit in. It was really that bench lineup coming in and sparking them. And Mark Williams was part of that. He got that help block on James Wiseman. Great timing. This was a much better matchup for him than Nurkic, you know, getting Wiseman on on him. Um, but then the problem was not really a problem, actually. This is actually a, a, a sort of a, a credit to Wiseman. It made Golden State change how they played because then Golden State decided to go small and put Draymond Green as the center, and that pulled Wiseman away from the basket, and they weren't really trying Mark Williams, to... Ex- right. I'm sorry, Mark Williams. They were, yeah. they were pulling Mark Williams away from the basket, and uh, you know that allowed them to, you know, Draymond to find cutters on the pass and different things like that. But that's that's more about what the Hornets offer behind Mark Williams than 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 about Mark Williams. So he changed the way that the Golden State Warriors decided to play the game. I think that's a credit to Mark Williams and his impact on the floor. But yeah, you know when when he when he's out there, he's long. Like you said, he's a monster because he's long and athletic, and he's making guards yeah. think. 
the next level for Mark Williams when we actually see him in his full at his full potential is when he can also make opposing centers think. And and that's going to come with some strength training in the offseason, right? Because uh, he's, he's a monster because he's long, but not because he's wide. Yeah, and I don't remember a play. Do you remember a play last night where he just got completely bodied? We saw that against Nurkic. Yeah, there was one where Nurkic just decided to post him up, and then he was under the basket by the time Nurkic was done dribbling. Hook shot, bam, two points. I don't remember a time where he absolutely got, oh, God, like you are a weakling in the NBA right now. I do think he's battling. I heard you with Nada talk about how he might need to get stronger, but he was physical against Portland. So Mm -hmm. the effort was there. The physicality was there for Mark Williams. You know, for me, I I actually think, I think he's still even right now a smart defender, but there are still kinks to be worked out. There was one time where a guard drove in and Mark actually forces a missed shot by coming off of his big guy, but doesn't recover right? Because you don't want Mark Williams boxing out whatever guard just shot it. You want him going back to the center and he didn't get back in time. And then there was a, either an easy dunk or absolutely a putback. So some of that is something you're working on, but you know, Doug, the mistake we're discussing here. Yes, it matters, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to gloss over that. You got to get back, but the mistake was after a missed shot that he caused or that he helped with, right? Yeah. Like if, if the ball bounces a different way, maybe you can clean that up. So yes, there are plenty of things Mark Williams is going to have to work on three years from now, four years from now. That's just how it is. But I like what I see in two games. I know the Hornets didn't draft him for offense, but did you see him put the dream shake on? Oh, yeah, baby. Come on. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was pretty, that Ooh. was a pretty tasty move there. He's got in touch. The, yeah. In the short he's got pub, touch. Uh, yeah. At the free throw line, hitting, hitting the jumper. And, and that was like a rare post touch for Mark Williams, who was open a lot in this game. He's getting the Bryce McGowan's treatment. Remember when Bryce first got into the rotation and he was wide open in the corner for so mm-hmm. many possessions and Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre just like ignored him like he was, you know, the, the kid the kid in class that everybody makes fun of. Like he, they just ignored him. And they're kind of doing that with Mark Williams right now, even though he's open a lot in the post. In fact, they <laughs> – PJ tried to throw him an alley, could have had eight points. PJ tried to throw him an alley and accidentally hit a three-point shot, which is just, by the (laughs) way, like that's – Put put that on sort of the poster of this Hornet season. The only times they can hit threes is when they're actually (laughs) accidentally, you know, missing alley-oops bad enough to hit a three. Uh, But Mark Williams, yeah, he needs more touches. He needs more minutes. Uh, when Nick Richards gets back, I think he needs all of the backup minutes, and I think Nick Richards needs the starter minutes. I just cannot f- continue to formulate an argument anymore that makes sense to me based on their record, based on the context of the season, that Mason Plumley should be con- – and, and, and this is less – honestly, this is less about Mason Plumley and more about where this team is heading and that it needs to be more about Nick Richards and, because I think a team should come along and pick up Mason Plumley as like a good backup center – but to continue to start Mason and give him a majority of the minutes, I just think ignores uh, sort of the elephant in the room on this season, which is that it doesn't look like there's any coming back. Well, let's finish up with with Mark Williams on this because you know a lot of people will look and say, hey, there, there's a couple different directions. A lot of people will look and say, hey, why in the hell hasn't Mark Williams been playing this whole time? I don't know if the Hornets would be able to win anyway because if they play him and he's really bad – or if he's just struggling off of the bat, then all the people are going to ridicule and criticize the player. So the team, if Steve Clifford himself doesn't think Mark Williams is ready, 
then you just leave him in Greensboro for a while, bring him up when you think he's ready. And I said it. I was ready to see him before Steve Clifford and the Hornets brought him in. But at the end of the day, if we're actually talking about things that matter, if if I think the Hornets were 10 games late, who really cares, right? I mean, this is not going to be Mark Williams playing at all in those 10 games. Yeah doesn't mean that this record is going to be affected. They still lose every single one of those games that they lost and won the two that they did on this West Coast road trip. So this is if this is what Mark Williams is giving you right now, then yeah. absolutely fine with me. And you're right, Doug. He's he's not showing you enough of the rookie mistakes and he's not costing you enough possessions for you to say, all right, we got to put Mason Plumley, the experienced guy back in there. He's not doing that enough for you to justify that to your point. But, but I I don't think the people complaining about Mark Williams not playing up to this point are complaining because they thought he play he's playing 10 games too late. I think they're, they're yeah. complaining because they think he's playing whatever 20 some 30 plus games too late. They wanted to see him game one and I think what they what those people fail to understand is that part of the reason that Mark Williams is playing like he's playing right now, it, it, it's a result of the development that he's gone through at the beginning of this season. If you if you listen to what Steve Clifford is saying I, I, throughout this season, through the training camp and preseason, and the and the times that he's spoken about Mark Williams before this point, I think it was pretty pretty clear that like Mark Williams, it wasn't that he was going to go through some like sort of rookie bumps. It was that he was unplayable, and that if if he had gone out there and played early on in the season. I think it would have ruined his confidence because he would have gotten so exposed uh, because his pick and roll defense wasn't there because, you know, I, I just don't think he he understood totally how to play defense in the NBA. I think he understands that a lot better right now. And that's why he's able to be to be on the floor and stay on the floor. And honestly, I like I like the fact that Mark Williams is stepping into a team that is at least on its face trying to be competitive yeah, and having an impact. Because if he were doing this on a team that was going nowhere, that's not a fair evaluation of what he could do. Under, well, and it makes better basketball players make you better. And yeah. if you were going with a whole bunch of other young guys that aren't ready, that dream Mark shake, Williams that dream shake was set up. They, 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 if you go back to that play, a huge ball pressure on Gordon Hayward. They were trying to bottle him up, and Gordon somehow gets that pass to uh, to Mark Williams. A lesser player doesn't make that pass, and that's a turnover. So just think about that opportunity that Mark Williams got in that situation and understand that, that him playing in this context is better than, than had they started him for early in the season, in my opinion. All right, you, you brought, uh, brought up, I can't even talk, Gordon Hayward. Let's talk about some of the other players in this game. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. PJ Washington, did he continue his hot streak? Terry Rozier, we'll talk about his performance against Golden State as well. Plenty of other players to get to. And we'll give our grade on the West Coast road trip as it does come to an end last night. This episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball, they have it all on BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those on BetOnline as well. 
We're always the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Last segment coming up. Locked on Hornets. Is locked on Hornets. They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot <laughs> wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, where do you want to go next? Because a lot of LaMelo Ball talk, a lot of Mark Williams talk. I think those were the two stories of this one. But still, some that's other people, guys. That's what mentioned. people want to hear about. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, we can talk. You know, we can talk about Terry Rozier. We can talk about Kelly Oubre's injury. But that's all. That's all True. sad stuff. People want to. People want the juice. Well, I mean, if you stuck around long enough, then maybe you were just thinking another happy segment was going to come about, but maybe we start to, look, we give you the good, we keep you around, and then maybe if you're strong enough, we'll, we'll sprinkle in the bad. That's how we roll here on Lockdown Hornets. So you're right, Doug, um, kind of an unex- unexpected injury to show up on the report. In the initial Hornets PR tweet, we did not see that Kelly Oubre was on that list. You had other players there, and then eventually Kelly Oubre was added as out with a left sprain. At least that's what I saw on the initial report. So mm-hmm. Dennis Smith Jr. was questionable to go. And so I was doing the pregame last night. We did not have a designation for him outside of just being questionable. Talked with Sam Farber, as we do every single game, play-by-play voice for the Hornets. And he said that Dennis Smith Jr. was out there in warmups as long as he ever has since the injury. So it mm-hmm. looked like a good sign. Closer? Dennis Smith Jr. Yes. <laughs> Look, man. I mean, the fact that he actually had the cue next to his, his name, that's mm-hmm. big. And Sam, like I said, he said he was out there for the longest amount of time he had been since the injury. Unfortunately, not able to go at the end, but does seem like Dennis Smith Jr. is closer to go. No Kelly Oubre in this one. think that forced Steve Clifford to go long with, how about a Jalen McDaniels, JT Thor, and Mark Williams lineup? Loved that. I mean, that is just linked all over the place. You add LaMelo Ball in at point guard. I mean, Doug, there are arms everywhere when you're watching all the Charlotte Hornets. And if you're a Golden State Warrior trying to score, there's just arms all over the place. What were some of your other thoughts if you emptied the notebook out on this one? Uh, Well, I mean, yeah, Kelly Oubre's injury is big because uh, offense has been really a majority of the problem on this West Coast road trip. I've got some numbers to throw up on the screen here. A lot of numbers and colors here from cleaning the glass. But but you can see – that on this on this road trip, starting in Denver, points per possession, uh, 31st percentile against Denver. That's way below average. Against They win against Sacramento with above-average offense. They lose to Clippers with some of the worst offense in the league, 87.5 <laughs> points yeah. per possession. Uh, Lakers, uh, one of the best offensive games they've had all season. Uh, of course, defensively, it wasn't very good, but offensively, they were stellar. And then Portland, it goes right back down below average offense. And then against Golden State, some of the worst offense they've played uh, this season. And it's all been shot making, which Kelly Oubre uh, has been able to do. He's been a bit of a roller coaster, right? Like the efficiency isn't all the way there for Kelly, but he has been able to have some games where he does, you know, give you plus, plus, plus offense. But defensively, you can see on this road trip, they actually played a lot better. And and go back to what I said uh, earlier in this show, which is that they've played some of the fastest teams in the league, and they've been able to really limit what they did in transition, uh, except for that first quarter against Golden State where they let let Golden State run all over them. 
but they've been able to limit teams generally. So they finally improved the defense, even without Dennis Smith Jr., which is he's been their main engine defensively when you go back to when they were playing their best defense earlier in the season. Uh, but offensively, they've just been miserable, even with LaMelo's return. It started to perk up a little bit before they went on this road trip, but the offense is cratered again. And I, I don't know, again, they've had so many different problems this season, so many different injuries. That's why I don't understand what the organization is really waiting on to see, you, you know, to make a call on this season, because I just don't see how they fix this many holes in the dam at this point. Well, and and you're talking about the Hornets having played over 30 games already. So the, even if you wanted to wait for all of the preseason injuries, the beginning of the year injuries, all of those guys to get back, you might not have an option because now it's almost you have to sacrifice somebody almost. You know, now now you're starting to get healthy and now Kelly Oubre's out and he's not ready to go. And this team came into the season with zero margin for error, if you really wanted to make a play-in game or let alone a top-six spot, which was at first the goal when they fired JB. So you had little margin for error, none, and then, of course, you have tons of errors with all the injuries that you suffered at the beginning of the season. I think one could look at the late scratches for DSJ and Kelly and start to put the tinfoil hat on. Because I saw Kelly on the side, you know, hand spray, and I don't know how to really look at and see what a hand spray, but his hands look fine. I don't he didn't have it in a what? cast or anything. I'm just, on, saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you wanted to get conspiratorial and talk about sneak tank, uh, oh. you know, you I, I think you can start to put that tent you can get the tinfoil out of the you don't you don't necessarily need to form the hat right now, but I think you can get the tinfoil out of the cabinet. And we can start talking about conspiracies. I do think here's my prediction, Walker. I want to see what you think about this prediction. Okay. I think that the that the Hornets are going to give Clifford the benefit of the doubt as a coach that they brought in to improve the defense. They're going to wait till DSJ comes back, and then if they get blown out when DSJ comes back in like the first couple of games, if they suffer like a, a horrible blowout defensively that's when they pull the plug. I really think like DSJ, I don't think it's Cody Martin because who knows when that guy's going to come back. Man, what a disaster that's been. But yeah, DSJ, yeah. when he comes back, if they don't play better defensively, I really feel like that's the point where you go, okay, that's what we were waiting on. It's not happening. Let's plan B, C, and D. Well, and I think we need to have a conversation on what exactly pull the plug means because I, I said it, you said it yesterday with Nada. It... I, I don't I don't know if tanking actually can be used with this team because tanking is all about intent, right? And this is a team that's losing a lot of basketball games that mm -hmm. doesn't need to trade everybody away for draft assets. I mean, for the most part, the, the problem at the beginning of the year was that you had all your best players out. You know, LaMelo wasn't playing. Gordon Hayward was in and out. Terry Rozier, he's played 25 games this season, so he's missed, like, what, 10 or something like that. Now Kelly Oubre's out, and Kelly certainly helps you offensively. So when those guys are all back, are are we talking about, you know, trying to trade Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward? Well, and yes. if that's the case, well, yeah. And if that's, that's going to be case, hard. Right, that's going to be hard right. because Terry Rozier, uh, we, we haven't done grades yet. I don't even know. We can just do some quick grades. I'll go it's, ahead and give Terry's grade right now on this road trip. F. Like, I mean, I mean, needed him to make shots and just didn't. Like, it was a Doug, failure of his offense that led to a two and four road trip. Doug, unfortunately, it's an F this entire season. That's not a yeah. hyperbole. He's been really bad. His stats are actually 
I mean, man, worse than they've ever been. I'm I'm not even trying to give you a qualifier. So he played 39 games his rookie year. The stats were awful. So I, you know, the qualifier probably should be since his sophomore season in the NBA, where his numbers were atrocious, but that was 2016, 2017. His numbers are really a lot like what he was doing at age 23. And even then his three point percentage went up. I mean, his shooting from the outside is way down on higher volume, right? So um, than it was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Um, oh, you! I, I can throw some more. I can throw some more stats on the screen to because you know people uh, occasionally will will um, hit me up on the Substack or whatever and say, "Hey, can you just like, can you just like simply encapsulate what's been wrong with the Hornets this season?" And I'm going to do it right here on the screen. If you're watching there on you YouTube, go. I'll explain it to you if you're listening. Okay, I pulled up on cleaning the glass the player stats. Uh, for the Charlotte Hornets. And right now it's a mishmash of of good and bad. But if I sort this by usage, if I sort this by usage, the players that have the ball in their hands the most, let me do that. Oh my goodness. A lot of blue, which means bad points per shot attempt. Terry Rozier, highest usage, uh, highest usage by percentile of his position. Like for a combo mm-hmm. guard, he gets a ton of usage. Not the highest yeah. usage on the team. That's LaMelo Ball. But LaMelo Ball's below average. Terry Rozier, points per shot attempt, 98.4. That's the eighth percentile, which means like your bottom five or six in the league among your position. LaMelo, below average for point guards. P.J. Washington, this is tough because he's qualified as a big, but he plays like a forward. So, But he would still be in the sort of last quartile of his position if he were listed as a forward, which is what he plays at. Gordon Hayward, same thing. Points per shot attempt, terrible. Kelly Oubre, terrible. James Booknight, the worst. Um, You don't get into good points per shot attempt for their position until you get to Mason Plumlee, Nick Richards, and then two guys who have played really well off the bench, Jalen McDaniels and Teo Maladon. And Teo is going to be the player that gets victimized by DSJ's return. Yeah, that's right. So quite literally, the the first rule when you're in a hole is to stop digging, but that's not what we do. You know, we, we, we're just, it's, it's like giving Kelly Oubre, Terry Rogier the shovel and saying, all right, guys, let's keep digging and see if there's an escape. Towards well, the what bottom. else can you do? You know, I mean, no, what else can you no, do except right. to ask Terry Rozier to go uh, yeah. out and shoot? And he did early in that first half against golden state. Terry was the one they said, all right, you had one of your worst games of the season, two of 17 against Portland, but what else can we do? Go out there and shoot. And he did, and he shot well, but over the course of the game, those shots started to fade away, and he comes out with another inefficient game. Last thing on this, if you go, can you go back to that? Yep. Sorry, I wanted you to go back to it. We're on oh, YouTube wow. now. You know, so, you come back, yeah, sorry, you come turn back. the mic off, you order me around. All right, what do you want to see? <laughs> Um, no, I was just going to say, with with Terry, that that's the one that is more troubling, right? Because all the other usage percentages are supposed to go down. And, you know, you see PJ Washington, that's a huge usage percentage. Yes, you're right. You're talking about, you know, him in the bigs category, but even for a forward 81%, I mean, that's a lot. We'll, we'll see where he would go, but that, so his usage is 19. Not, yeah. His usage is 19.5%. 19. Right. And you can easily kind of compare him to Gordon because it, it, he and Gordon play similarly uh, you know, from an offensive perspective and, you know, PJ taking a lot more threes, I think, but uh, yeah, PJ's usage is right there with Gordon's. And so and they, even be. if, yeah, it, it even if be. you were to move him to the forward position, he would still have a high percentile. Right. I, I, and, and that's the point. It's that, okay, 
you know, Kelly Oubre, bottom quartile, you hope it would go up if if he if he actually played his correct role. Gordon Hayward, you know, injuries, okay. Terry Rozier, 87's a lot. It would go down, especially if LaMelo Ball played more games. But, mm-hmm. I mean, this has always been a team that's relied on Terry quite a bit. Well, and, when, he, when, when LaMelo has fouled out. It, you know, remember that Detroit game when yeah. he fouls out before overtime and then, you know, Terry just mashed the ball into oblivion and and it wasn't and that wasn't good for the Charlotte Hornets. One of the other I know we're not going to get to grades, so I'm just going to spoil it for everyone. Oh, we're, yeah, we're, we're running out of time because the, too much of this is is interesting. But but check this out, Walker. So I've got this page still pulled up of the offensive overview from cleaning the glass. I think one of the saddest things that I've seen is that look at how well this team passes the ball, right? I mean, the assist percentages for Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball, P.J. Washington, Gordon Hayward are excellent. And you don't get to somebody who doesn't pass until you get to Kelly Oubre. And really, like, Booknight has passed well when he's been on the floor. Plumlee is one of the best passing centers in the entire league. That's just a fact. Uh, Nick Richards doesn't pass. I don't think he has the ability to pass. I think Kelly Oubre has the ability and chooses not to. Uh, Nick... Uh, just I don't think has the ability to pass right now. So you have a lot of players that can pass the ball and nobody that can hit shots. You know, we've talked about this all season and Clifford's starting to bring this up. They are getting good looks. This is not a case of a team that does not know how to generate offense. This is a team that for some reason, inexplicable, maybe you can tie it to injuries and how much out of rhythm that took them early in the season, but, but really, strangely, has lost the ability to make open shots. It's crazy. Yeah, and so if you compare Terry Rozier's usage percentage, 27%, this is all according to basketball reference, 27% this year, last year is at 23. So still pretty high, even though you're four percentage points up. P.J. Washington, 20.6. Last year, 15.6. Kelly, 26.4. Last year, 23. So yes, I guess his usage percentage still high it's just he's always been an inefficient player that's just what the stats say for kelly and anyways lots of usage percentages that are up this season because lamello's out because gordon's missed so much time and even with terry missing time that kind of goes down as well and affects all the other players all right that's a that's a nice nerd segment man you can put the board Oof. down now doug I'm i won't, I won't let you Here, here's the, right. here's my here's my final thought Okay, because I'm I'm just I'm just gonna tell you right now I'm I'm gonna take the rest of the week off. <laughs> I need a, Dougie. Dougie needs a holiday break, so you're gonna get a well, lot final. of Walker over the next couple of days. There you go. So, baby. so here's my final thought of the week: the Hornets remain competitive in most of these games, right? Like if you look over the course of that West Coast road trip, despite going two and four, there's really only one game that they were completely out of, mm-hmm. and that was against the Clippers. But they don't have enough shooting, or Point of attack defenders. Their defense is getting better, but when push comes to shove, you saw Kaminga. He was push and shove. When push comes to shove, teams know that they can attack the guards, and they know that if Mark Williams isn't on the floor, they're not getting much resistance at the rim. They don't have enough shooting or enough point of attack to win these games, but the good news is they are firmly in position to have top lottery odds in the offseason. And everybody else can see that. And I hope the organization takes notice at some point as well. All right. That, that Those are the final thoughts from one Doug Branson this week. He'll be taking off Thursday and Friday. He'll be back next week. 
we're going to figure it out. I don't know if I'm going to go solo, if I'm going to bring somebody else on. So we'll figure that all out the rest of the week here on Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. Make your second listen, Lockdown Sports Today, game analysis, all the latest information on the games that you care about most. Find it here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.